Caregivers, have you ever felt like nothing is going right? Well, cheer up and welcome to Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver radio program, where you'll learn how to avoid that dreaded thing called caregiver burnout and how to survive the grieving process. Join Dave and his guests now as they share practice tips and tools that you can start using immediately to help get you through this day. Now, here's your caregiver host, Dave Nassani. From Los Angeles and New York City, a big L.A. and Big Apple, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com, coming to you live globally with my co-host, the lovely and talented Adrian Gruberg. Say hello, Adrian. Hello. Anyway, we're on iTunes, we're on YouTube, Spreaker, Podcast. Uh, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, MixCloud, Listen Notes, Blueberry, Player FM, Podcast.com, VIP Internet Radio, Facebook Live, HealthyNet, HealthyLife.net, and CaregiverDave.com. And we are proud to be voted number two best podcast out of the top six caregiver podcasts by Caring.com. And we do have an exciting show planned for you today, believe it or not. <laughs> um, don't we, Adrian? Yes, we do. See, that's it's unanimous. It is. It must be true. Uh, it's just us today, and it's all about grief and where it comes from, why we get it, and how to get rid of it, most importantly. But before we get started, I want to take this moment to thank my last week's guest, which was our last week's guest, Adrian. I was going to look that up. It was Adrian Gruberg, and it was me, because we were talking about, I don't know what we were talking about, but it was great. I think we were just talking shop and just uh, kicking yes. back and, and just having yep. a, a good old time. Yeah. And so, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm 65. I'm lucky to be doing what I'm doing. And you can watch <laughs> or listen to, to that interview of Adrian and I last week. And all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of our other 16 global networks that I mentioned earlier. We're a little flustered today because we just finished another show that we do for our monthly show on healthylife.net, and it's a great show, and it'll be airing on the third Monday of the month, of every month, okay. at 2 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m., no, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, and I'm not going to tell you too much about it, but you should be tuning into that because that's a great show. All right, enough of that. Um, Adrian, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Um, what is the phone in my face for? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> like I said, I'm trying to connect to Facebook Live yeah. here so okay. that Adrian can have the benefit of her people. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to get rid of them. So I have to send it to a group because you guys are groups, right? Yeah. There you go. Caregiver space. Yep. We're and then post. And then you've got so many groups, so I've got to do it again. Share. No, you don't have to. You can do it in the main community. Yeah, I could do, do that. I could do that. Anyway, how's the weather there in Manhattan, huh? It's 47 and sunny. 47 uh, and now sunny. Now that it's still light out, which is a joy. Really? Um, that means a lot to me. <laughs> <laughs> and and not having to put 12 layers of long underwear on also feels good. 
At is 47, right? I'm I'm fine. I'm comfortable. <laughs> what well, is it the out weather? there? Well, let me the look out the window. Stopped? Hold on here. Oh, Did yeah. the rain finally stop? The rain finally stopped, and we're having a good day. Good. And it is sunny outside. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, well, I, I really can't chew gum and think at the same time. How, how sad is that? <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I said it to one of your things. Okay. Maybe, uh, no, I'm not going to put that responsibility on you. I'll do it myself. Anyway, I am so excited because we had a great show uh, that is going to be airing in about, uh, I don't know how many weeks. But uh, we do have a monthly show that we do uh, in addition to this weekly show. And um, we're going to talk about grief, right, Adrian? Yes. It's Adrian's idea to talk about grief. So I came up with the, you know, where does it come from, uh, why do we get it, and how do you get rid of it? So you want to comment on that while I try to do this? <laughs> uh, no. No. <laughs> What do you mean? No, this is your topic. No, your, I want to talk about all the different kinds of peak grief that, okay. that people well, have as well. Because I didn't, a, there yeah, are some I didn't, things that you just can't necessarily yeah. get over that fast. Well, you have you have freedom to do that. Just because I came up with the title of the show doesn't, okay. doesn't uh, handcuff you. So go yeah, ahead and I talk just, about, I mean, tell I'm us the re- different kinds of grief that are out well, there. I, I'm in a uh, exper- experimenting in a grief writing group now, okay. so I find that I'm um, I'm eight years out of my husband's passing. He died mm-hmm. la- last Wednesday. Was um, his uh, the anniversary of his death and last Thursday and I was waiting for a cousin to die and Mm. I didn't know if a funeral would be on the anniversary of Steve's funeral or not it was the day after Um, it was a heavy week altogether Um, the the uh, wife of the man who passed away uh, has now a 62-year-old mentally impaired child in an institution who has been there for about 50 years. Now she's finally, you know, like in in decent living quarters and, and, and it's sort of nice. But it took a long time to get her settled. And you live knowing that you're probably going to outlive your child. And there's grief in that. And she's got grief from her husband, you know, her husband passing. And there was the pre-grief, you know, pre-grieving, anticipatory grief, which I've had. I imagine you had grief when Charlene had her 
row. Yeah, we both did. She was grieving the loss of her body, and, and I was grieving the loss of my wife. <laughs> and and the life that you fun. shared together. Yes. And the changes that had to come. So, yeah, the old so normal we were grieving. Right. You you have that kind of grieving, and um, I mean I. I was grieving for Steve from the time he got his diagnosis, even though they told mm. told us he would be well for a while. Um, he, you know, he had a death sentence. They told us that this was going to kill him. So wow. uh, he may have not thought about that, but... You know, I kept wondering what my life was going to be like without him. Um, there was, when they finally told us six years after, very shortly before he died, when they told us this was all they could do for him, uh, basically the two of us went home and grieved together. We had a really good cry together. Hmm. Um, I'm glad that we were able to do that. Not everybody is. Uh, some people just want you to put on a brave face, you know, and that's not yeah. easy. Um, yeah. I had a bad experience with someone who was grieving one time. This was when I was less uh, wise. I was just learning about the grief process, which yeah. you know, is silly because I should know. I went through it, you know what I mean? Sure. And um, so what what happened is it, it was like, do I, want to, I want to say three or five years. I can't remember. It could have been five years. And her fiancé uh, died suddenly. Mm -hmm. So she wasn't able to get married, have the family she wanted. Who knows? Maybe even you know their honeymoon, which maybe they never had. There's still some people out there who do that. And she was, after five years, still grieving. His picture was still on Facebook. And I just said something simple and innocent and, and good intended by saying, mm. you know, don't you think that five years is, is long enough to maybe start moving on? You know, maybe like take his picture off of Facebook. And, oh, man, you'd think that I just called her a fat pig or something because she mm. just bit off my head figuratively speaking <laughs> and uh she gave me you know what what I'm to do talking to yeah. <laughs> you can't tell anybody how long they should grieve i'm in a grief support group and we can grieve as long as we want and da, 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 yeah da. you can yeah. but that doesn't mean you don't doesn't mean you should you don't have to move on yeah um i mean i i grieve steve but i've moved on you know, I date. I've got the caregiver space. Well, I... let's talk. Let's talk about pictures, right? So she had this picture of him on Facebook. I mean, where are Steve's pictures? Is he still All around the house? Because you have a boyfriend now, right? Isn't all that over kind the of house. Weird? All over the Steve's house. Steve's so... pictures are all over the house. So your boyfriend is no big deal. No big deal. Mm. It's not as though I got a divorce from a man I hated. Right. Um, or, or a man that I loved and, and, and bitter about. I mean, I loved my husband when he died. Uh, his, his pictures are, he was very photogenic. 
we've got lots of pictures together. Um, I have been throwing out a lot of pictures. I, I figured I only needed so many pictures <laughs> of Steve fishing uh, when I wasn't on the trip. I mean, yeah. I mean, standing on the bow of a boat with a fishing rod in his baggy <laughs> pants. I mean, how many of those do I need? Right. But the but the portraits, um, the 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 pictures of him from when he was a teenager. I mean, next to the bed, I've got a picture of Eddie, my boyfriend, and uh, a picture of Steve as a two-year-old at Coney Island in <laughs> in his birthday suit with a towel around him that's absolutely oh. adorable and <laughs> looks exactly like he, he looks as an adult the same stance the same body everything it's it, it i see it that's why it's there but um no eddie doesn't have a problem with that um uh, i don't know what will happen in you know, in my new apartment, just how present uh -huh. Steve will be. This was the home that we built together. Moving out of here, if I do move out of here, will, <laughs> is something else that you're I'm mo You're moving. You huh? are moving. You're moving, I don't you? want to move. I mean, I just, during our doing break, it. during our saying break, if? I wrote a letter. Yeah. I wrote a letter and... At the end of the letter, I I wrote, you know, uh, as most of you may know, I have a website that I've been paying for out of my own pocket, and I'm putting together mm -hmm. a new board. And if any of you have any good ideas, and there are, uh -huh. we've got, we've got people in the building that are unbelievable people. I mean, I I. I don't have to give you their names or the companies they work for. Suffice it to say, they're diverse and quite well-to-do. And how I ended up here <laughs> is beyond me. I mean, the 43rd richest man in the world has three floors in this building. I wow, mean, you're in a good neighborhood. What is he doing in this building? <laughs> it's a good neighborhood. Well, what am I doing in this building? <laughs> but um, letting go of all of this stuff is very difficult. It it is a grief process. Um, I really don't want to leave. I mean, if they could find if they if 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 I start asking people. You know, like, join the board, give me some money, let's, you know, if I don't have to pay for the caregiver space out of my own pocket, I can afford to live here. But I can't, yeah. my lawyer and accountant have said, you can't do both. So, hmm. um, I'm You're going to save money by moving. I'm going to save money by moving, of course. Um, well, that's a good reason. Though. That's the idea. I mean, there's no other reason to, I mean, downsizing. I don't need an apartment this big, but because I use about half of it, in all honesty, except when I have a big party. Yeah. Well, I agree with him, especially with all the money you're pouring into the caregiver's space. And I'm sure everyone yeah, appreciates it. Yeah, I pour a lot it. of money into the caregiver's space. Yeah, I know. I pour a lot of money into 
not caregiver Dave. I pour into the caregiver's face. And my accountant is talking to me too. Oh yeah, but you're you're making money from what you're doing now, aren't you? Uh, not yet. I mean, you know, we're going in the right direction. But I do have a gas station, and so that helps a lot. Yeah. So, and you don't. Have, you don't have a gas station. I have a I gas have, station, and you don't. <laughs> now, when Steve passed away, I did have a business. Um, I had I, I ran his business for a few years until it wasn't feasible anymore, and mm. then um, then I closed that and I had to close the television studio. I mean, he had done his own cable show for thirty-five years, and I took over his cable show for about three years. And once we stopped doing that and stopped doing all of the other TV shows that we produced out of that studio, um, it was time to close the studio. So mm. otherwise there was just even more money going out every month. So um, changes, there are changes in your life you know, drastic changes when there's a death. But um, I said that I was taking this this writer's workshop on on um, re refuge and grief. Now, because I'm eight years out of it, it's not speaking to me as it may have spoken to me if I was freshly if I was a new widow, um, but it's not just widows. It's it's um, people who have lost their uh, children, you know, who've had miscarriages, who've had mm. abortions, whose children have died of childhood illnesses. Uh, it, it it is definitely a uh, a community where. Um, there are people grieve, you know, in pre-grief, and there are yeah. people who are new to grieving, and you know, who, where the death has been very sudden, and there's been there was no closure, and that's mm -hmm. a very difficult thing. Um, see, you know, in that way, caregivers who know that they're taking care of a um, a, per, a person who's going to be dying, um, you have a chance to say goodbye in yeah. your way. Uh, that's one of the small blessings. Yeah, that's uh, huge. It, it, I, I, I do think it's huge. It is. It was for me to have yeah. that to have that time to adjust and. Um, Think think about what it was going to be like to be alone. Of course, it's never quite the same as sure. what you expect it to be. But yeah. it's you learn you learn day by day. You're going to get through it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, we have uh, someone on the Facebook Live, Kelly Henson. Hey, she says you know her? No. <laughs> She says, I'm right there, grieving the old normal. 
So <laughs> I, I asked her to call in. Everyone is so shy to call in. Your face won't be on the screen. You just call up on your phone, and we'll just see, you know, a little silhouette, silhouette of, a, of an emoji of you. So we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. And when we come back, Kelly, I want to see you there. So don't go away. <laughs> yeah. Bye-bye. Come on, Kelly. We are a community of caregivers that understands and supports you wherever you are in your journey. We are a place to connect with other caregivers, but more importantly, a place to get practical, actionable help. There are lots of ways for you to get support. First of all, you can download our welcome pack. This will get you started on your Thrive journey. Next, you can ask and get answers to your questions by posting them here in our private Facebook groups. You can also get live online support by attending one of our live weekly Connect webinars. You can get practical, actionable advice by listening to our weekly podcast. You can hear and read other stories about other caregivers' experiences. Plus, add your own in our weekly Share Your Story forum, posted every Tuesday in the Facebook group. You can access essential resources and download practical Thrive Solutions Packs, all of which are geared to help you thrive as a caregiver. You can get lifetime access to all of our resources. Again, we're here to support you and help you thrive and to enjoy your life as a caregiver. And remember, this is a place to get hope not just cope. And we're back with Adrian Gruberg and Dave Nassani, me. And we're talking about grief, me. It's all about me. It's all about me. Which is basically what caregivers need to learn to do because it's never about them. (laughs) This isn't really about us. This is about them. (laughs) Right. And so uh, that, that... that, that TEDx talk I did, um, you know, I was always told when I was writing my uh, third book, you know, oh, no, I wanted to call it The Selfish Caregiver. And the mm-hmm. publisher would say, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. Selfish is a ter- you know, negative word. You look it up in the dictionary, it just sounds like a terrible person who you would not want to be. But when I got to TEDx, um, they liked the word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so they allowed me to call my talk caregivers need to become selfish in order to survive and they call that the idea worth spreading and it's on facebook now on their on their page just uh uh hopefully it will uh, uh have hundreds of thousands of followers because that's the the traffic that they get on there it's uh, on not facebook tedx it's, is on facebook did i say facebook i meant i meant youtube youtube sometimes okay things Sometimes things come out of my mouth, and okay. I have no idea what. Okay, I'm glad I clarified. Yes, it. YouTube. Thank you for clarifying that. You can clarify me anytime <laughs> you want. So Kelly uh, Hansen, I don't see you, and if you're still listening, I would love for you to call in and just tell us about your old normal and what's the struggle and what's going on there. You know, because I know about the old normal, I know about the new normal. You know, the normal life. Uh, my wife and I, we raised our three daughters. We got them all out of the house, got them all married off, each one twice. <laughs> and then one day she complains to me about this headache she'd been having for three days, the headache of her life just wouldn't go away. And one day she uh, she woke me up on the fourth morning asking me to massage her head. And so while I was doing that, I noticed her face was drooping on one side. And I said, oh, man. 
Uh, by the time the ambulance arrived, she had suffered a massive stroke, left her severely speech impaired. Little did I know that those last words I heard her say, please massage my head, mm-hmm. would be the last sentence I would ever hear her say. Again, that's on uh, September 1st, 1996. So that's why, you know, we go out and we speak all over the world and, you know, we book ourselves on television and we go to Hawaii you know, two months out of the year, because we just don't know what's happening tomorrow. We were blessed to have the funds to do so, thank God, and blessed to have the time to do so, and blessed to have people running the gas station so I could do it. Otherwise, I couldn't do it, and blessed to have God healed my back, because if my back, I was scheduled for back surgery, mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. So that, those four things came together in a perfect storm, and we are living our lives as if it was the last day on earth, the last week, the last month, the last year, the last whatever, because tomorrow is not promised. My wife is going to be 75 in June, 75, that sounds so old, but uh, she gets, she gives me dirty looks when I say that because it's like, you know, but I'm only 65, <laughs> so of course 75 seems old to me. 10 years can do a lot to a person and a body, <laughs> right? And I already have aches and pains. I, I don't even want to think of what kind oh, of aches, God, and aches and pains. Oh, God, aches and pains. At 75 or 80. I don't want to live to be over 80. So I'm I'm just healthy enough to stay alive, but not too healthy where I live to be 95 and somebody has to change my diaper and, and guide me, you know, to... There are uh, 95-year-olds who were They are the healthy. exception rather than the rule. Would you well, agree? Well, there will be more of them. Really? What's going on? The cure for for dementia. The, num- the, sh- the sheer number of people who were going to be turning, oh, getting older. Boomers. The baby, baby boomers. boomers. Yeah. And after them, the Generation X or the the Millennials or whoever they are, the next the the group that's bigger than the baby boomers. Was that the Gen X or is that the uh, Millennials? Gen I can't X. remember. Uh, no, no, no. The the Millennials. That I you know I was always told baby boomers were the big. They were. Uh, a lump going through the snake, you know, as he's trying they to digest this, this rabbit. But uh, apparently the success and the prosperity of the 80s uh, brought about the millennials. And now they're bigger than the the uh, baby boomers. Right. So I don't know about Social Security and all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> I think you're on your own. <laughs> it's... Uh... Well, Kelly, Kelly's not around. She might have left us, or she's just hoping that we stop talking about her. Well, I wanted to ask you. I mean, you you had your issues, um, your grief issues when when Charlene had her stroke. You were yes, you yes. were. I, I wasn't in good shape. Were you, were you angry? <sighs> what was I? Um. Angry at who is the question? Cause, yeah. Yeah. You, you angry know, um, at God? I wasn't angry at her. Um, there no. could have been, uh, you know, I don't think I was ever angry at God because I had a lot of faith and I right? was being very positive. Some would say I was delusionally positive, <laughs> but that's just me, you know. Um, I just have a positive attitude. And so this is just a speed bump. We're going to get through this. She's going to. Therapy's going to work. She's going to talk again. She's going to walk again. I truly, truly believe that. And I had peace during the whole process. And I had a very supportive congregation that was upholding me and keeping me in prayer and helping and, out and all and that. And did you go to a support group? 
Yes, I went to a support group, and that helped a lot in the beginning because I didn't know that that everything I was feeling was normal. Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend support groups. Um, my wife went to one too. We went to one together. I was going to the stroke support group, and she was going to the stroke survivor group. But she hated her group. She just tolerated really? it and went because I forced her to go. And the reason she hate the, hated the group, because she was a young woman. She was 52. She was younger than me. Um, <laughs> and she was young at heart anyway. So, I mean, the 52 is like 42. And she's around these old, 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 92-year-olds. People so there, with, was, there was no support group for younger people who had experienced stroke. Well, believe it or not, this support group was for younger people. <laughs> now, I don't know what they were doing there, but um, but they did have some young people there. There was, I remember there was like a, a 35-year-old mother who had a brainstem stroke, and so she was paralyzed mm. from uh, the neck down. She was in a wheelchair, and, and she still had small children. And so there were young um, people there. But there were more old people there, and maybe yeah. because uh, even though it was a young person's group, a so-called young person's group, um, you know, what are they going to tell old people? You're too old. You can't come to our group. So and she wanted to feel normal. She didn't want to be around people who were disabled. Cause well, look at all the things even, that she's done. I mean, she I know, really she doesn't is amazing. Look at herself as disabled. She doesn't look at herself as disabled. She doesn't want special treatment. She just thinks she's normal, you know. And, it's her and new normal. Which I mean, she's, she's more really... normal than most normal people. So she yeah, didn't like I'm... to be around. She didn't want to be reminded, oh, yeah, I'm one of those people. Uh-huh. And, but me, on the other hand, uh, and most people in my group were younger. Uh, they were older than me because I was pretty young anyway. I was, um, if she was 52, I was 42. Mm-hmm. And imagine 42 years old in the prime of your life, your daughter just kind of graduated high school. Right. And your your wife, who you never thought about age before, you know, she, we always seemed kind of equal in age. All of a sudden, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, yeah, I married an older woman. Oh, my gosh, is this the stuff that happens to older women? And and I didn't know what to believe, but I was positive, and I had to have my faith in God. Thank God for my faith in God because it really got me through. It was like there's this picture somewhere of footprints in the sand. You might have seen it. Right. And, and uh, you know, through life, there's two sets of footprints, you know, and then there's God's walking with you or Jesus or whoever. And, um, well, in my case, it was Jesus. I don't want to say whoever. <laughs> <laughs> I truly believe he was walking with me. But then there was only one set of footsteps set of, yeah. through the most turbulent times. And, of course, you scream out to God and say, how could you leave me when, when I needed you the most? It was only my, my own footsteps. He says, those aren't your footsteps. Those are my footsteps. I was carrying you. You say, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I'm uh, enough of a pragmatist that I knew that I needed to get away. I nuded, I nuded, I knew that I needed a break. And so I would arrange for a sitter to stay with her. 
And in the beginning, I didn't tell her because she wouldn't she wouldn't let me go. She would just you know have a temper tantrum. No, you can't leave. You got to stay here. She wouldn't say that because she can't talk. How long were you going for? Just the weekend, you know. Uh, I would leave on Friday night and I'd come back like Sunday. Like sailing or something. No, no, no. I would fly. I would fly to Nashville and spend time with my cousin who I hadn't seen in decades. Then I would fly, you know, maybe the following month, I would fly to New York and see my other cousin mm-hmm. who lives there who I hadn't seen in decades. And then, and they would minister to me, you know, they would, they would refresh yeah. me. And I'd come back refreshed. And then uh, the next month I would fly to Miami to see my other relatives over there who I hadn't seen in decades. You know, we don't see our relatives who move away Right. If we're lucky, we we'll talk to them on the phone maybe every three years or so, which right. is terrible because we're we're Syrian, we're kind of clannish and ethnic, and and we like uh, getting together with folks. And those are even as I think back now, and it's been you know over twenty years. Those are just warm, wonderful times spending yeah. with them and their family, and when the kids were small, and and I just cherish those memories. And every time I see them these days, because I travel a lot now. I say, remember when we got together for Thanksgiving? And say, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. were in bad shape. You were you were running away from your wife, and we felt so <laughs> bad for you. And we just wanted to help you just be refreshed. And and you know, it brings a tear to my eye to remember how they just allowed me to just grieve in that way. So, hopefully, that answers your question about me. <laughs> yeah, and and. But enough about uh, me. No, I was I was asking, you know, how how she, my next question actually was yeah. was Charlene angry? Oh, or, she was very, very, very angry. Anger was her favorite grief emotion. She yeah. was angry at everybody and everything. She was angry that she couldn't drive anymore. She was angry that we had to move out of our beautiful dream house, that she was going to be buried in the backyard. That's that's how permanent she wanted this house to be. She was angry that her two-year-old granddaughter stopped, uh, you know, having a relationship with her because all the of a sudden grandma way. looked different and grandma couldn't talk and grandma, you know, was just strange. And so she was angry about that. She was angry that I got to go away for weekends mm-hmm. and she didn't but you know it was her that I needed to get away from so from. I couldn't take her with me uh, that would be like awful now I travel with her all the time and it's fun and in fact she's very easy to travel with because mm-hmm. I can put all my luggage on her chair and I don't have to <laughs> carry anything and we get in the front of the line when you go to Disneyland gosh you want to go to Disneyland you want to go with a disabled person because you just go to the front of every line so I I just love her and uh, we she's fun to travel with. We go on cruises a lot. Cruises are so fun, and as you know, we go to Hawaii a couple times a year for a whole month because I figured yep. I I was in the pool one time when we were just there for a couple of weeks, and we used to go all the time, and then we stopped going for like three or four or five years, just because you know life gets in the way and you can never afford it. You know, it's a vacation and. And I was losing my shirt in 2008, so it was just out of the question to spend any money on frivolous things like that. But after a while, you start to realize that uh, how much longer can this 75-year-old woman travel? It's amazing and a miracle that she can travel Mm -hmm. the way she can now. So we better just 
do it because when we were younger, we used to go on cruises and we used to see these old people, you know, carrying oxygen around with them and in there in a yeah. wheelchair. And, and we said, oh, we don't want to end up like that. We don't want to wait till we're decrepit and old before we take a vacation. So we tried to vacation frequently in our younger years and we did a pretty good job, not as good as we should have. But now I'm I'm back to that philosophy, you know. Uh, there's so many people who who make lots and lots and lots of money and they save it, and that's great that you save your money, so save it for a rainy day. But these people live like paupers, and they mm-hmm. never travel, they never go anywhere, they never vacation. And they don't enjoy themselves. They're they're depression babies. They're afraid that you know something's going to happen, and then they die. And they die thinking, uh, people think that they're poor, and they actually have millions in the bank, and the kids get it all, and the kids are just, like, ruined by it. It just, too much money too quickly can just ruin a person. And we can see it with the lottery winners. We can see it with the NFL players, the, with the NBA players. How they can, <laughs> I heard the story, Shaquille, Shaquille O'Neal um, made his first million, uh, that year, and he spent the entire million in like three days. And his CPU said, "Hey, <laughs> if you don't want to end up like all these broke NBA players, you better start, you know, get a plan." And so now he's doing very well. He owns restaurants. He owns. Yeah, but businesses. apparently Shaq knew. <laughs> he knew, he became a businessman. A businessman, yeah, and yeah. he took he took advice. Some people don't take advice. So. Yeah. Um, gave you more information that you asked for. <laughs> now, what I, what I wanted to do is say. Sounds like you're interviewing some, me. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes caregivers don't take the grief that the patient is going through into into account. Yeah, um, when they're getting when they you know when they get angry with them a short tempered or. Yeah, you know, fed up, whatever. I was the only one around. You know, there's. I love the Mills Brothers. I sing all their songs, and there was a song that says, "You only hurt the <laughs> ones you love, the ones you shouldn't hurt at all." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it goes on. He says, "You only crush the Break sweetest the rose, sweetest, sweetest, yes. and crush it till the petals fall." The petals fall, <laughs> and, and so the song goes on. Yep. Um, I don't want to. Uh, I can't think of the rest of the words, but uh, if I wasn't on the spot, I would. But yeah, you know. And so I got, I got the brunt because who else is she going to be angry with, right? I'm the only one who's around. And, and so, how did you take it? Because that's. I, to sometimes me, I took it well, and sometimes yeah. I didn't. <laughs> it depended okay. on well, how fair. frequently it came, and what mood I was in. And if I was on my way out the door to work and I was late and all of a sudden she wants to have this yeah, discussion, yeah, yeah. which there are no discussions. There's, uh, you know, charades and there's Pictionary. And two, these are two games I am bad at and I suck <laughs> at and I hate. I can't even do a jigsaw puzzle. It frustrates me. And Or when I'm falling asleep finally and she wants to have a discussion and that means, you know, wake up, we're playing charades. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, I'm not as gracious as I needed to be. I'm I'm much better now. I'm talking about the past. <laughs> there are I'm moments remind, now. I'm reminding you 
You should have a commercial, I think. Thank you. So we are going to go on a commercial break. Thank God for Adrian. She's right there. She's got my back. And speaking of Charlene, we'll play her her video now. So don't go away. We'll be right back. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words, Overcoming Unbelievable Hardships is about Charlene, a stroke survivor. Back in 1996, Charlene was a healthy, normal, very active 52-year-old woman whose amazing talents resemble that of both a Martha Stewart and a Wonder Woman. But all that changed when she suffered a massive stroke that left her severely speech-impaired and paralyzed on the right side. Everyone who knows Charlene is thoroughly amazed at how she lives day by day, month by month, year by year, and with a smile on her face and hope in her heart that everything is going to be okay. Just hear what best-selling author Lynn Barrington has to say about it. If you think you have it bad, read this book. This is a beautiful, genuine story told from the heart. It's inspiring and easy to read. When you finish this book, you'll be able to look at your concerns in a new light. One arm, one leg, 100 words, overcoming unbelievable hardships. Available everywhere. And we're back with Adrian Gruberg of the caregiverspace.org. And I'm Dave Nassani, caregiverdave.com. And we're talking about grief, how you get it, where it comes from, what we can do with it, the different stages of it. Um, there's grief before you have grief. <laughs> there's grief after you have grief. And there's some grief that you just can't, you don't know what it is. Every now and then it just comes over you like a wave that you're not yep. expecting. And I have a story that I love to tell. Maybe you've heard it before, but it's it talks about the grief process and how uh, a lot of women can relate to this because every woman at one point in their life has been jolted or jilted, whatever word is proper there, by a boy. And especially the women, God love them, who are engaged to be married to this boy, and it's like 10 years, and they're still engaged to be married. And, you know, for whatever reason, she hangs on because she believes, I know people like this, she believes <laughs> it's going to happen. And um, finally, when she gets tired of waiting, she presses and insists and, you know, now and either or. either they get married or either they break up. And that's what happens a lot of times. And so this happened to this one girl. And she, it took her like two or three years to get over him, you know, mm -hmm. because she would cry every night. And then finally she wasn't crying anymore. And she was kind of, you know, feeling better and mm -hmm. found a boy and started dating him. And they they loved each other. And she thought that they might get married, and then he proposed to her. Everything is fine. Everything is wonderful. But then one day, while she's in Manhattan shopping downtown, guess who she sees? She sees the boy <laughs> who, who wouldn't marry her after 10 years. Ooh. And she saw him with his wife because they both had on wedding Rings. bands. And... All of a sudden, she thought she was fine. She just collapsed right there on the sidewalks of New York, just like you did when you fell on your bad knee during knee surgery. <laughs> and and they had to help her up, and you know, uh, she passed out. And finally, when she woke up, you know what were the first words out of her mouth? 
She says, I thought he just didn't want to get married, but he didn't want to marry me. And look at all the time that had passed, three years, and she was engaged to be married. She found love again. Mm-hmm. Where was that all hiding in her, in the back of her mind? You know, Can you explain that? You're a woman. I, I'll just be quiet and listen. No, I can't explain it. <laughs> I mean um, you can't explain it? Because it never happened to me. <laughs> but women, um, can, women can imagine things like that. Yeah, no, oh, yeah, can, I know why I that can, happens. So I can imagine we'll it. figure it out and, and I mean, enlighten me. It, it, those, uh, I can remember bad dates that I had, in, you know, in high school and college and they were all still back there in my head you know when they were, they were when, hurt. I, when I was hurt and uh, and I um I mean it wasn't like an engagement it wasn't that serious but there were times that I that I've broken up with people they've broken up with me or it's been agreed upon um or my divorce uh it took years for us to become friends again, but we did, and uh, I'm I'm glad that we've become friends again, because um, we were friends to start with. Uh, it's. Is he still around, by it, the way? Huh? I don't hear you talk about him much. Oh, he's around. He lives in Switzerland, uh, in Zurich, and he has a public relations business for the medical trade and he travels all over the world that he he was always a restless soul um we lived in africa together we uh we went from atlanta at yerkes primate center to to brooklyn and downstate medical lab where he studied monkeys to Rutgers, where he studied monkeys, to Africa. Did you have an interest in monkeys, too? Well, uh, yes, I I liked them. I mean, Did you like those those movies about about, uh, the Planet of the Apes, the latest ones, where... where, uh, Some of them. The the ape, um, I guess he was a monkey, I don't know what he was, but, but he became intelligent... And he started uh, teaching the other ones. Yes. You saw that, right? Is that feasible? Could that ever happen? Since you're a monkey expert, <laughs> I I don't think it could happen quite that way. No. Are they missing no. something in I their brain? I don't think I don't think there are as many of them as there seem to be in the. Do you think there's one or two special ones that that nature? Well, I mean, I I've. I've met Jane Goodall. Um, Who's that? Is that a special one? She's she's the one, so the woman who lived in the wild with the chimps mm. and has been studying them in in Tanzania for for a long time. She she was studying them them in Tanzania when it was still Tanganyika. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that long ago. Um, I mean. It, it's it's fascinating stuff, and and I did always enjoy doing it. 
I mm. didn't always enjoy being the wife of somebody who was going for their doctorate and schlepping around all over the place. Isn't he like Indiana Jones, kind of? No, that's an archaeologist. No, He's I don't mean I don't mean that. He's a primatologist. I mean, I mean his his uh, his, his lifestyle. Yeah. You know, he's a professor, and then he's no, he's, you know, he's going not world. that butch. <laughs> <laughs> not that butch, huh? <laughs> he's not that butch. He's but, he's but he traveled a lot. He traveled. Well, those were happy times, me. weren't they? You had a lot he, of happy times, didn't you? We had good times. I mean, it, it, yeah, it was good. Mm. Um, I had better times with Steve. Different kinds of times with Steve. Yeah. Um, I. Well, I'm sorry, I, I grieve, took you off track I grieve there. those. I grieve those times. Um, yeah. every now and then, I right now I can't do it because I've taken so many pictures off my shelves for for showing the apartment. But I would look at the pictures of us fishing and the. You know, the pictures of us taking Christmas pictures and what the day was like and how crazy it was. And mm. um, it was like I would have my whole life in front of me on the shelves in my office. I and can't wait till I get to New York and, and come over and you show me all of it's your... It's not there anymore. It's in boxes. Oh. <laughs> But the apartment I can't see is your life. Here. They're in boxes. <laughs> no, you can't see everything. Well, you're committed before. then. You're committed to this move. I don't know. That must have been a Freudian slip where you said, if you move. I'm not committed to the move. Um, it looks like if, it. If somebody comes up with money I, okay. for, the, for the caregiver space, I will. Sponsors, you mean? Yeah. Are you still pursuing that actively? Yep. Actively now, actively. I mean, I had to get the You're apartment more ready. Now. Yeah. I've I've still got to get the apartment ready, but I'm going to start seriously writing writing letters and making phone calls. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah. That's that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> So what's what's the hope? What's the final? Let's talk about the last stage of grief and why it's a good stage, and why unfortunately you have to go through the bad stages to get to the good stage. What oh, just like of something life, else? What? When you don't feel grief, you feel guilt that you don't feel the grief. Like when my mother died, I did not <laughs> grieve. <laughs> I did not grieve. Um, and, and when my, when my ex-husband wrote me that his father had passed away and that he had to write me because I was the only one that had known him and he was so sad, I said, be happy that you're sad because you have, you had something worth being sad over. Something worth What does he grieving. mean, you were the only other one who knew him? Well, other than his brother, um, he lived in, he, now he lives in Zurich, and 
No one ever met his father. I knew, I lived with his father. I knew his father. So I could understand the relationship better. Was he a hermit or he just lived so far away that... uh, Who? Are you talking about the father lived? He wasn't a hermit. No. Oh, because it made it sound, you made it sound like he, his father, there were very few people who knew him. There were very few people that were around Ken that knew his father. I see. So his father had his own friends and stuff. His father was pretty solitary, but that's another story. Yeah. Well, that, that's another name for a hermit, isn't it? Well, he had a, <laughs> he had a wife and he did stuff. I mean, he didn't oh, okay. he didn't sit in the house and do nothing. So he didn't touch a lot of lives the way you are, for example. No. No, my ex does, though. You're out there. Mm. My ex does, and I'm very proud of him for it, which is nice. Which is nice. And Steve touched a lot of people, too. So that made me happy. Four more minutes. How do you want to spend it? We do. I know. Time flies when you have a You were talking about the last stage of grief or whatever. The last stage. you got to get to the last stage or you'll leave them hanging off the cliff. It's the wonderful stage. It's that wonderful place called acceptance, you know. It's that stage that that you just accept the new normal, which is a nice way of saying the the crappy situation that I'm in. But yeah, if you consider the, looking at it as a crappy situation, you'll never get through your grief. Or you have looking to, at the sad situation that I'm in. It's, it's, yeah. it's It is what it is. You have to believe that all bad things, and I truly believe this, and uh, it, you just need enough time to lapse to see it. But I haven't seen, maybe there's an exception, but I'm just talking from the hip here. I haven't seen too many situations where a really bad thing that happened didn't have some good come out of it. To I where, agree. To where you look back and say, gosh, you know, I, I grieve that situation so much, you know, like the, all the... The $1.5 million that I lost, my entire life savings just evaporated, poof, you know. Yet that taught me to change my attitude and my beliefs about things. And now, 10 years later, it's like it never happened. Uh, God in his grace, uh, you know, I'm debt-free and I'm I'm recovered from, from what I lost. And I don't get that because there's a lot of people who were there with me, and they didn't get recovered from it. So right. Maybe I'm doing something they're not doing. Maybe I right. learned something they're not learned. They haven't learned yet. Or maybe uh, enough time just hasn't passed for them. You know, because everyone's on their own. Everyone's going through something, and that's why don't 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 complain about what you're going through, <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. I guarantee you, if if you look around, I don't think you would want to trade places with anyone because. You know, it might look like the grass is greener on the other side, but, you know, they got weeds, too. Yep. Absolutely. Plops of cow dung in the grass hidden as well. (laughs) I'm just the metaphor. Well, you said it well. (laughs) You know what? To talk about acceptance. Are you are you in acceptance yet? Have you accepted all of your grief or are you still struggling? The only grief that I'm struggling with at this point is the apartment because 
I don't know one way or another uh, uh. what's going to happen yet. I mean, I have to I have to sell this place before I find some place if I don't find a backer. Yeah. Um, do you have do you have neighborhoods that you are saying okay those yeah, are okay look, those are I, not and okay I've been, and I've been getting my feet wet yeah I mean I've been looking yeah. um, and there's affordable places uh, affordable? that you approve of well more affordable than what you have more affordable than what you have New York uh, and you want to stay in the city right yeah. I thought about getting a house, but I I would be traveling to Manhattan almost every day. Are you That's stupid? Or yeah, are you you're midtown or downtown? I'm in the Flatiron area. What's a Flatiron? The Flatiron Building, the first high rise in the, in New York City. Oh, so is that considered that downtown, uptown, or midtown? Of. 23rd yep. Street. So is that considered uptown? It's downtown. considered Flatiron. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it close to uptown or close, it's close to downtown? It's close to Chelsea. It's close to the it's village. Just not going to answer the question. <laughs> it's close to Midtown. It's oh, Midtown. Okay. Close to Gramercy Park. So downtown, what's more expensive, downtown, uh, midtown, or uptown, generally? Flatiron. Flatiron. <laughs> well, you better stay where you are then. <laughs> you said, what's more expensive? No, I said, what's, did I? I meant. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, more expensive. So what's the cheapest, I should say? Right then? now, I could buy... What's called a classic six on Park Avenue? Sounds expensive. For much less money than I ever dreamed possible. The and problem is I can't at. see myself walking through the lobby. <laughs> it's so gorgeous. Why is that? The lobbies oh. are like palaces, you know. The, but you the, deserve it, Adrian. I mean, how old are you? Something <laughs> flying around in here. Well, How old are you? Sixty-five yet? I'm seventy. Seventy. So you're still young. You're younger than my wife. <laughs> you still got some tread on those tires. So I do still it. have tread on those tires. <laughs> yes, I do. Right. Well, say good night, Gracie. Uh, I'll say good night, Gracie. Let us know how you uh, how people can get a hold of you. Uh, it's Adrian A D R I E N N E at the caregiver space. Dot org, and everything else is at thecaregiverspace.org. You can find all the social media links there. Great, and I'm at caregiverdave.com, and we thank you for tuning in. We really do, and we are going to look for you next week, and goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Caregiver's Caregiver radio program with Dave Nassani.